passion play you are about to see dates back 2,000 years. 2,000 years may seem like a long time to you who are from a country which was founded only 200 years ago. However, in the scope of the passage of time, 2,000 years is but a sneeze. Excuse me, Professor. How can a passion play predate Christianity when, by definition, it's a reenactment of the passion of Christ? That, Mr. Blakely, is a good question and point. The passion play is anomalous. Its central character is a female, specifically a virgin female. Perhaps this is why every year thousands of pilgrims arrive from everywhere, and of course, scholars like yourselves. So, before I forget, here there is one for each of you, little things which will distinguish us. It is a nice little souvenir, yes? They're beautiful. Looks just like Beverly's. It is the sign of the pagan virgin. There's only one virgin I know of. <laughs> you are rude. The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> they must be destroyed on sight! Okay, welcome to They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 184. I'm your host, Lee, Gypsy Double Talk Russell, joined by my co-host, Daniel, a thief, not a killer, Harper. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Okay. That's, anyway. all, I have, that's all I have today. I you know, didn't have, like, right. an, a, did have like, an Amelia Earhart joke or something? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm de- I've decided I'm not telling jokes today. Like I'm just, I'm literally just going to make simple declarative statements. That's my goal for this podcast. Okay, well, fine then. Um, and we are we're joined by our special guest, Matt Hot Soup Simpson. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Uh, great. Matt is, uh, of course, from the Companeros Radio Podcast Network. Is involved in several podcasts, and, and we'll get to those at the end of the show, of course. But you know, I've been on a couple of the podcasts in that network. Thank you very much for joining us. It's definitely a pleasure to have you on. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, all right. First off, we're going to be looking at something again. Is this is uh, Jeff Williams month? might bleed out into December, so it's not really Jeff Williams' month. It's more like Jeff Williams' month in a week or something like that. It's the Jeff Williams series. The Jeff Williams series. The series, yes. The The curated list. It's like the Criterion (laughs) Collection, only it's Jeff Williams, and it's us. Yeah, so it's one of our listeners, Jeff Williams, who's uh, prolific in suggesting films for us to review. You know, we're doing a little series on that, and this time out we're going to be doing, it's known as Beyond the Door 3, 
and a muck train, depending on what version you own, from 1989. But before we get into that, we have a bunch of host cleaning to do. So uh, first off, we're just going to go to our comments from listeners. And we have one from YouTube. And this is a good one. It's it's not... It's not one of the horrific YouTube comments. You need to not tell me if they're good or not. Just uh, oh. just lay it on me. That's the way to, that's the way to treat the YouTube comments. Yeah. Okay, I'll remember that next time. I'll, yeah. just, I'll start reading it and see your horrific reactions um, yeah, to no, it. It's yeah, great. it's great. Okay, <laughs> so this is this is this is from Shadowman four seven one zero. How does how, why does any guest show up to this show when we do this bullshit every time? <laughs> I well, first off, I'm going to tell you, I I don't even know why Matt invited me on any of his fucking podcasts to start with. So <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. No, I do, I like it. So uh, please, I want to hear these comments. Okay. So uh, Shadowman says, I've never actually seen The Woman in Green, although I think I might have it in a DVD collection of old mystery films around here somewhere. I'll have to look. I did have a similar reaction to Without a Clue when it came out on VHS in the late 80s. I watched it, chuckled a couple of times, never watched it again, and largely forgot about it until you guys announced you were going to review it. From what I'm hearing, it's just as well I never went back to it. Yeah, probably. Your memories of it from the late 80s are probably perfectly fine on that one. Yeah, mm. I would agree. He goes further on to say, uh, my go-to film in this genre is Gene Wilder's 1975 farce, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother, which follows the exploits of Sherlock and Mycroft's younger brother, Sigerson. Yes, it's incredibly silly and even a little dumb in spots, but it's supposed to be. The cast is at least impressive, as without a clue, with Gene Wilder, Marty Feldman, Madeline Kahn, Dom DeLuise, and Leo McKern. And they have a blast in this. McKern is especially effective as Moriarty, managing to keep him dangerous and evil while adding a few comic touches. It's not a great film by any means, but I've always gotten a few laughs out of it. Next time we do some Sherlock Holmes films, that's probably one that will come up. I think we discussed maybe doing that, but yeah. Yeah, no, we talked about it. We just didn't get around. You know, we did almost all of the Sherlock Holmes adaptations that exist. We've only missed like two, I think, and that was one of them. So. <laughs> no, I, I can think of another one that you missed. Um, the American Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. You guys know that one? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds like a masterpiece, though. Please uh, lay it on. Yeah, I, that a phrase works in this context, possibly. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely works in this context. Uh, yeah, it's just um, you know, it's a triple X. Uh, Sherlock Holmes knockoff, and uh, I don't know if it has anybody in it of note. I'd have to look, but yeah, I don't think that there's anybody I've ever heard of, unless you know um, uh, Warful Mariorty. No, that's not right. That's a, one of the characters. Yeah, I don't know any of these people in it, but uh, yeah, Zebedee Colt uh, is in it. <laughs> sure. So, so Michael Caine didn't show up for that one. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> no that's a shocker. You know, I know. <laughs> He was too busy filming Jaws of Revenge at that point. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> but fucking. Um, oh, my, my, my only question. My, my wait, only question. Gay porn, by the way. So uh, just so oh, you know. That's what I was about to say. Like, my, yeah. my only question was was this gay porn? Because, you know, the Holmes Watson gay thing, you know. Uh, I think, yeah, it looks like he's swinging both ways in this one. All right. But he's definitely enjoying it with the men more. So. Um, yeah, yeah. As, um, as, as you do, as you do, yeah. you know, nothing wrong with that. You know, he's got a penis in his mouth in one, and then uh, Watson's got his penis in his mouth. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Get out, guys. I mean, yeah. I think I think eventually at some point this podcast will cover like some hardcore 
pornography of some sort. I mean, we've done some softcore stuff. So yeah, no, I was I was trying to uh, convince uh, BBNBC to do that uh, back when that podcast existed, but they never they never took me up on that. They never took me up on that. So you know, well, maybe I mean, we're going to pod- blaze that trail. <laughs> I mean, that podcast still <laughs> technically exists. I, 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 I don't care if Mike Murphy fucking renames it to the Exploitation Filmcast. It's still fucking BBNBC as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He just got tired of counting. That was the whole That's thing. That's the yeah. thing. It's like it's a little bit less math involved. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Williams doesn't have a recommendation of the week this time, strangely enough, but he does have a question. And he asks, which side character deserves their own movie? And this is from a muck train. Are uh, beyond the door three Sava, Vesna, Bosco, or Marius. If you're not familiar, Sava is the gypsy thief who dresses like Amelia Earhart. Vesna is the witch character. Bosco is the train conductor, and Marius is the Deus Ex Munkina, who uh, <laughs> in this film, who uh, you know uh, saves everybody basically by by fucking the lead. Well, Darius is basically a uh, mythos from uh, Highlander. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go with that character. Yeah, I would, I would. Wait, which one's the um, mute flute player? That's, That's Marius. Marius, yeah. Yeah, Marius. Okay, he's kind of like the Jedi-looking dude. I'm going to go with him. I want to see a spin-off of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of want Bosco, honestly. The train conductor who, you know, his entire day is just ruined by these American kids jumping on his fucking train. And the next thing you know, a Satanist decides, well, we got to possess this fucking train and kill the conductor and the engineers. And like this, this guy has a rich background. Like there's a part in this film where he pretends he doesn't speak English until one of them speaks Serbian to him. And then he's like, oh, well, I know a little English. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the hot one speaks my language. Therefore, I need to, uh, you know, at least pretend to ingratiate myself with these fucking assholes who are just going to get us all killed. This is great. Anyway, we're moving we're moving ahead into the uh, into the review slightly. So we should. uh, Yeah, we should just cut off before we get into that. But yeah, we can uh, move on now to the movie God game. When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Movie God. And uh, because Matt, first time on on his on the show, he gets to play the movie God game. And Matt, I'll explain the rules to you here. So basically what this is, is you are the movie God. And I'm going to give to you two persons. Now it could be actors, directors, composers, scriptwriters, whatever, involved in the movies. And you have to eliminate one of them from existence. They, they never okay. existed. No, they're not in the timeline. So you have to consider uh, that anything they were involved with in film never existed and anything those films influenced perhaps never existed so yeah yeah we ripped this off from another movie podcast which as far as i know doesn't exist anymore but yeah uh, yeah no this was we used to play this game all the time it's 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 uh it's meant to hurt that's the goal it's meant he's going to give you two things that you love and make you kill one of them Um, yeah okay it's it's sophie's choice but for movie nerds so uh, yeah yeah. It, it it might work. It might not. I have I have a boat like a 
500 uh sort of sort of score on this where sometimes some people just like flat out mercenary like oh no i'll kill this motherfucker and i'm like okay well shit they don't even think about it they don't even doesn't rack their brains at all but um we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens you can't both right you you can't kill both you have to kill one all right all right fair enough and 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 if you prefer the the option is maybe they existed but never had like a film career is also sort of a choice available to you so you know like you don't have to feel like you actually murdered someone you know like they went off and worked in a hardware store or something no i disagree I, I totally disagree. Uh, don't listen to what Daniel said. These people are murdered flat out. Like you, you've come down from the skies. You're the movie god, and you chop one of them in the fucking head as a baby before they get to do anything. I, I really want to kill them with a uh, satanic train that isn't down by track. That could happen too. You're movie god. Any way you want to kill them, you can do it. You drive That's a train through a swamp and run them over. It's it's good That's stuff. In a canoe, please. Yeah. Okay, so Matt, you are the movie god, and you must eliminate one of these two prolific exploitation directors. Okay. You either have to eliminate Doris Wishman. Okay. Or Herschel Gordon Lewis. Huh. Oh, man. Well, if you take out Herschel Gordon Lewis, boy, you are going to be taking out gore mm-hmm. and horror, basically. Um, we're going to be getting some really tame shit. From, uh, from then on, I feel like, right? I mean, don't you think he's probably one of the most influential with that? Yeah. I mean, he, he was definitely one of the first ones that got attention for doing that sort of gore stuff in the 60s. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a game changer, though. It's like, oh, you can make a ton of money if you put gore in uh, even a half-assed movie, you know? But then you, then you get Doris Wishman, sort of feminist icon within directing circles. Yeah, you know, the only thing about her is she never got the success she deserved. It was harder for a woman to make it in the biz. And so, you know, she she was able to make money and make a living with the movies. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like she wasn't quite as influential except for the fact that she's um, a pioneer woman that was a badass, you know, that made her way in an right. all-man industry. So um, I feel like it would be less consequential for film history to kill off Doris Wishman but I like Doris Wishman better so fuck Go- Herschel Gordon Lewis um, <laughs> going down on that train and uh, we're gonna in my movie god world we are gonna make her the queen and she is going to have a much uh, bigger budgeted career and we'll see what happens with that nice I, I like yeah. it I like it I like it and I mean there, there were other people doing gore other than Herschel Gordon Lewis like even he- before him but he's the one who really like made it a cash cow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Uh, flesh, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm totally blanking right now. Um, was it was uh, it Blood Feast or? Uh... Yeah, yeah, Blood Feast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, with Blood Feast. I mean, he made that for basically nothing, and then uh, promoted the shit out of it with the gore angle and r- turned a huge profit. At least that's from what I can remember. Um, yeah, but but I you got like to than her. Yeah, uh, you you got to think you got to think uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. There would have been someone else who would have took his place, as opposed to like Doris Wishman is kind of like there were very few bad bitches back in the day that were going to get the opportunity yeah. that Doris Wishman got at least. So yeah, she was basically the only one. Mm. And seriously, like that kept on doing it. You know, most people didn't get that many opportunities, but she made it happen and. Was in business for herself, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess somebody else would come along, of course. But uh, maybe I still think that that would have changed. Things would have been different if it wasn't for him. 
Um, but I don't, I do not respect him nearly as much as I do her. So, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry. Real quick though. I'm just curious. Like, um, we don't have to go too deep, but what, what about you guys? If you were movie God, just, uh, well, honestly, I'm not sure if Dan is actually familiar with. Any I don't of those. know either of the, I don't know the filmographies well enough to, uh, to make that uh, judgment, honestly, uh, okay, know, fair enough. which, which is just unfortunate on it, which is just like, Oh, I need to go and explore this. You know, that's ultimately you know, my answer to that. Is, yeah. No, fair. Uh, myself, any, anybody who made a film called dildo heaven in 2002 though, um, <laughs> probably worth hanging around. Uh, that's, that's I, kind I, of my I, opinion of that. I, I've heard of a God, podcast that might've covered that film, but <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you might be talking to somebody to put it on YouTube. Uh, I don't know. Oh, well, you know, we yeah. we certainly don't we we certainly don't approve of uh, copyright violations on this show. Uh, we certainly don't uh, watch most of our content on you know pirated media or anything of that nature. <laughs> We're very above the board on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, actually, I I would. I mean, I I'd, I'd side with you on this, Matt. Uh, Doris Wishman all the way is is what I go for. I mean, I, I like. Herschel Gordon Lewis, but it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. an, an, another white guy would have done it eventually, right? So, sure, yeah, that, that this works, yeah. Uh, so, so we can move on now to what we watched in the last little while, and uh, I'll throw over to you, Matt, if you have anything. Uh, yeah, you know, um, there's a couple things. I watched The Wildlife, mm-hmm. which is um, sequel to uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and it's got Chris Penn, he's kind of trying to be, um, you know, Spicoli, like his brother, yeah. but he's like a dumb, a dumb wrestling jock. And it's got Leah Thompson in it. Um, Rick Moranis works at the mall. Uh, he's at a new wave fashion store. And he's yeah. like the assistant manager. And yeah, it's just like got a, a star studded cast and it's pretty dark. I, I couldn't believe how much I liked it. And I've been thinking about it for over a week after I saw it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's some good stuff. Uh, if you like Fast Times or those teen comedies from the 80s, it's the real deal. It's, it's so weird, though. It never came out on DVD or anything. I watched it on Laserdisc. You can get it in the Warner Archive now, but it, it's fucking dirty, rotten shame that that did not uh, have more success. I do not get it. It was It's actually good, genuinely. Yeah, no, I agree. It's underrated. This is one of the movies they always used to play on A and E back in the day. And oh, okay. yeah. I'm I'm still like slowly collecting titles and stuff to actually do like some sort of article or some sort of write up on shit that I uh, used to watch on A and E because like the majority of my entertainment that sort of like grew my love of exploitation films and stuff. Strangely enough, came out on A and E because they would just buy up anything they could buy, right? So that that always played on A and E for some reason. And yeah, you know. <laughs> I feel the same way about uh, USA because uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you had USA, but um, the network, but yeah, USA Up All Night had Gilbert Gottfried and Rhonda Shear, and mm-hmm. they would play, you know, booby con- comedies and uh, exploitation movies, some good movies too. You seriously could get a film education from that program, and it was on Friday and Saturday nights, and they'd do a double feature. Yeah, although the movies on that were like censored, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no boobs or anything, mm-hmm. and you know, or staring, but I mean, you get the the gist, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. not uh, the weird thing with A and E back in the day. They kind of played fast and loose with uh, <laughs> with content. I, I, I basically feel like they just put shit on without looking at it, and then and they just they just let it go. So like, excellent. There, there's a ton of movies I watched in A and E that were like filled with gore and nudity, and they weren't cut very. Like it felt like there might have been like a 
bare pass uh, with the censorship or whatever. It's like, oh, we need to cut this and that. But at the most part, they didn't give a fuck. So I was seeing, like, yeah. I was a teenager and I was seeing, like, boobies and gore and shit on A&E. And I'm like, I love this channel. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, uh, of course, they don't do that now. A&E is just a it, – it's not even the same channel anymore. But, you know, there, there was a brief period in the 90s where A&E was just fucking great. It was just showing whatever. So – yeah, and then uh, one more thing real quick that I watched was um, Tango and Cash, mm-hmm. which I had seen in a long time. Holy crap, man. The, the cast for this, it's like Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell. Um, I mean, they're like the – it's a buddy cop comedy with them. Jack Palance, Brian James, Robert Zadar, Clint yep. Howard. Every character actor is involved too. And it's just such a weird movie because Kurt Russell and Stallone don't really have good chemistry. Like Stallone's trying to play a smart guy, which does not work for him. But because they're like chemistry, it's not like friend chemistry at all. Their chemistry is kind of like lovers who have been together too long and <laughs> annoy each other. And yeah. so it just seems like this really homoerotic buddy cop comedy with Stallone and Kurt Russell. I mean, it's so good. It was so good. Do, I kind of grew up on that one, but I have also not seen that in uh, 20, easily 20 years Probably yeah, right? closer to thirty years at this point. Now, do do you guys feel with uh, was how Stallone is kind of like Stallone, Harrison Ford, all these old fucking guys, these action stars? How they they seem to be like reliving their fucking old movies and killing themselves off and shit. You know, Stallone's already doing like the Rocky stuff. He did the Rambo stuff. Mm-hmm. You think he's gonna do Tango and Cash again and get Kurt Russell? On I, just, I just checked the Wikipedia page and uh, like the the very end of the Wikipedia page, it literally says. I will read it to you right now because potential sequel in September of 2019 Stallone revealed that he has a story written for a potential sequel. The filmmaker stated that he is trying to convince Kurt Russell to sign on to the project though he anticipates the film will be made. Yeah, that's a link to Fandango. So Sylvester Stallone thinks it's going to be made, at least according to that one source. I I can't see Kurt Russell doing that. (laughs) <laughs> well i mean i, I mean <laughs> he knows the loan is down I, because it's expendables you know he will do anything he doesn't give a fuck but yeah, uh, they're gonna get jason statham to take over the role that's gonna be the uh <laughs> okay but i mean you know i honestly i i, I think it kind of depends on whether quentin tarantino's got another role for kurt russell to do like it's like yeah. I, i'm gonna take you away from this tango and cash bullshit and put you in my next film about you know whatever i think kurt russell is it's not probably looking for work too hard you know he's nah. pretty and he'll do stuff that's cool if it's gonna pay and he feels like it I, i'm that's my guess anyway um because yeah, he's, he's got his he's got his ranch and he's got his wife and he's got his life yeah. and shit you know or well not yeah. wife partner right yeah him and Goldie Hawn are still getting royalty checks. I guarantee that. That overboard money is is taking care of business. Oh, so. not even it, over, not even overboard. I mean, come on, Kurt Russell must have some fucking Disney royalties coming his way, especially if Disney Plus. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, I actually did look at Disney Plus because, of course, my wife. We have to have Disney Plus. It was a, it was an essential thing. It's fine. I'm upset at them for not actually having the entire library of films that they claimed they were going to have. Maybe they'll. Right. I don't know. It's it's disgusting. I'm the sure they'll roll disgusting. them up. But I did look, and they do have the computer that wore tennis shoes. There you go. And that was <laughs> that was one of those that was one of those moments of like, well, we're just going to have to do the computer that wore tennis shoes and the strongest man in the world at some point. 
as the <laughs> early Disney era Kurt Russell uh, duology of masterpieces there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty pissed, man, because we got Disney Plus too. And I was seriously hoping I downloaded Ghost was going to be on there. Cause that's like uh, an old Disney from the, the 2000s. And I wanted to see that so bad. That is one of my favorite titles. Um, and uh, no, didn't have it. I was fucking pissed. But... They don't even have all the Marvel movies that like, that was one of those, like, that's the what? obvious easy one that they should instantly have. No, you know? they're, like... they're, they're, they're teasing us with this shit. That's the yeah. thing. Like oh. I, I signed up to it too. I, I got suckers. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm on, I'm on board. Let's see what they got. Oh, the Mandalorian. One episode. Yep. Fuck you. What are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a seven day free trial thing. That's the problem. You know, that's, yeah, we the, gotta, that's the thing. We gotta, we gotta string people along with this but, shit. But you know. know, as soon as I looked at their categories, as soon as I fucking looked at their categories, one of them was from the vault. Oh, you're going to do the same shit you did yeah. with fucking DVD and VHS. Mm-hmm. You're just going to release yeah. it whenever you feel like it. Yep. Yeah, you mm-hmm. bitches. Yep. No, that, that's, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like you're you're not like Netflix. You you didn't have like licenses. You own all your own shit. You could have it all up there day one. But no, you're gonna fuck with us. I mean, I'm sure there are like streaming license issues where they're just gonna like have to kind of keep gathering all their properties from the other services that they've you know kind of leased out over. What, especially what do the, they not know, own at this point? Like... They own everything. It's just like they they just gotta let the legal like lease on things. Like, yeah, this out, but, you know, probably it. Yeah, you, know. you know, but. Uh, Anyway, it was it was it was deeply frustrating to like get on there and be like, oh, so there are going to be like thousands of old movies that I'm just going to suddenly have access to, and it's like, ah, it's a few hundred. I mean, it's not it's not an inconsiderable list, but it was a kind of like, oh, that's that's the list, you know, like you know, mm-hmm. oh, great, you know. It was it was kind of it was sad. Yeah, I say, but still, there is so much shit on Disney Plus at the same mm-hmm. time. There so, is, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially, especially if you like Marvel cartoons from like the nineties and two thousands. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And is it maybe maybe the licensing was really cheap for those? I can't imagine. <laughs> you know, oh, maybe, yeah, no, I can't. Maybe imagine. those were really easy to get a hold of. Anyway, um, I did have I did have two comments on the kind of Tango and Cash uh, question, mm-hmm. and that is one. Uh, I do wonder if when they if they are going to do a sequel. Uh, will Terry Hatcher return? Because it would be nice to see her return. Yeah. Um, and two, this really only brings up more Stallone properties that might be continued. And I'm really hoping we get the dark and gritty reboot of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Kind of <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Del Getty, though. I mean, how you can't replace her. There's no way. <laughs> well, no, no. Here's here's what they'll do. Here's what they'll do. Because because no, so it'll, be, Stallone it'll be Stop is... My Dad Will Shoot. That's exactly... Like yeah, his daughter will show Stallone's up. Stallone's yeah. at that age now, so yeah, yeah it's stop or my dad will shoot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who would you cast? Who would you cast as his daughter? Alyssa Milano. <laughs> oh no, you got to go younger. You got to go like you got to get like you got to do like cop and a half with this shit, but not quite to that degree. Okay, yeah, the, we're, uh, we're, the, going, the, we're deep the, cutting the nineties at this the, point. The age. good, uh, <laughs> the good Olsen sibling. <laughs> <laughs> Not not one of the Olsen Just twins. Olsen, yeah, no, no, I know, I know yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah, no, she would. That would be pretty good. Uh, okay, the, I'm going to say Millie Bobby Brown. My immediate thought was Zendaya, who's the uh, who plays the Mary Jane in the uh, live action Spider Man films. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. 
Yeah. So so yeah. So uh, you know you you you're saying that uh, Stallone was uh, racially he was cool. You know. He, yeah. No. You got you got with uh got with a either a black chick or like uh you know Morari Mar- or whatever from uh, Australia or yeah. yeah no yeah no. yeah. No, I think you don't even explain it. I just think you like you don't explain it. It's just it's just there. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. It's like yeah, I'm all American. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my god, can we bring in Radon Chong as? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Movie for a while, man. Yeah, she well, needs to I'll, become... I'll I'll mention um. Uh, a podcast I've uh, I've uh, pimped here before, uh, movies they almost made or never made or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, they recently covered uh, the script for Commando Two. Oh, nice! That was never made, and wow, <laughs> that goes places. I'll just say, I'll, cool. I'm, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. People, everyone should listen to this shit and just like the stuff they came up with for Commando Two blows Commando out of the fucking water. <laughs> It's like Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Commando goes to Hawaii, and yeah, no, that would actually make sense. Well, no, they they actually um, they actually said basically the new Rambo film kind of rips off Commando too. The script oh. for Commando too, yeah. So, Atta boy, Stone. Did you guys see that? I haven't seen it yet. No. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. It's you know, old man, Home Alone. But yeah, it's pretty good, man. Paper thin characters. I'm a huge Stallone fan, so you just take that into account. But paper thin characters, uh, barely a plot that matters, but um, enough to move you to a place where he just fucking kicks the living shit out of people, and it is so violent. Um, there's like scenes where he reaches inside somebody's leg to break their femur and pull it out. <laughs> It is so goddamn gory. There's so many severed limbs. It is so awesome. Nice. Yeah, no, I, it's been on my list to watch. So, yeah. Yeah. High recommendation for me. Uh, anything else, Dan? Or? <laughs> no, I was going to mention something, but I feel like I can't top what we just did. So let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for me, um, I'll mention Mandalorian. Yep. They, they put out yep. two episodes. It's fucking great. I think it sort of fits within Rogue One. That, that, that almost feels like a separate thing from the main Star Wars <laughs> shit, and that's what I like about it. It's very much its own story. You know, it's got that universe built around it, so you, you know everything, everything's familiar. But at the same time, yeah, let's tell a spaghetti western tale within the Star Wars universe, and goddamn, yeah. did they do it. The, the fucking soundtrack, everything is just note perfect. Uh, fucking Nick Nolte is this fucking little sidekick character in the first two episodes and it's like wow they they shrunk nick nolte and did not put any makeup on him at all like (laughs) it's it's amazing and i i heard i heard nick nolte in a star wars thing Mm -hmm. and my immediate thought was the old patent oswalt routine where he does a nick nolte as Han Solo, because Nick Nolte was apparently like one of the people who was being yeah. cast for that role, and it's, and it's yeah. worth looking up. If I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I will not do it justice. But believe me, regardless of how you feel about Patton Oswalt's in 2019, this is from like the late 90s, and it's yeah. absolutely phenomenal. This is like around the time that like the special editions came out, so this is like early period Patton Oswalt's, and it's literally like, 
Um, imagine like drunken Nick Nolte as Han Solo whining to Chewbacca. That's that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Chewbacca. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chewbacca! We gotta get this goddamn uh, Falcon. You know, <laughs> goddamn Death Star. Uh. Yeah. No, but we, uh, I watched it too. Did you get? Because I feel like I didn't actually like the first episode at all. Right. Uh, yeah, but I blame it on Dave Filoni. Um, he's the guy, you know, who's done the Clone Wars. He was kind of George Lucas's understudy, and he's done this cartoon. So there's Clone Wars and Rebels, and he's directed those. But this is his first live action thing he directed, the okay. first episode. We've got different directors each time, and so it felt really fucking janky. You know, like with voice acting and cartoons and stuff, they just they don't give a shit. They're just like, oh yeah, that's good enough, you know, eh, whatever. It's gonna be computer animated graphics. The kids won't care. And that's what it felt like for the first episode. It just felt real sloppy and uh, just they're like, okay, that's the take. Sure. That's fine. And uh, with the second episode, it felt like it was way stronger. Also though, with pilots of shows, you know, it has to warm up a little bit, but um, the thing I was going to say was uh, it kind of gave me a Shogun assassin vibe in the second episode. The second episode definitely does. And I like that a lot. And you got that little, uh, and, and, you know, it, 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 instantly everyone goes, oh, it's Yoda. Well, no, it's not Yoda. It's the same species as Yoda. It's yeah, just yeah. a cute little Yoda baby. But, you know, like, that's the only reference everyone has for that that species is Yoda. But and, and but I thought it was cool. It's like, <laughs> oh, your target is 50 years old. So, yeah, it's just a baby one of those yeah. Yoda things. <laughs> yeah, he's like 700 or something. So, yeah. yeah. You guys remember uh, Yoda's, the female Yoda? in the prequels yaddle no i've never seen that yeah she's like in the background of a scene but uh it's a female like yoda version and it's pretty pretty whack looking just like the prequels are <laughs> i think everything in the prequels is pretty whack looking yeah Every, pretty much everything yeah yeah but you no know, and you're right the first episode jumps around to a lot of stuff it's like we, we need to fit in a bunch of cool shit and we cut scene to scene to scene and and but no by the Time you get to the second episode, the story is really focused, and it's like, yeah, I want to see more of this shit. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm oh, at. And, and Werner Herzog fucking mm-hmm. kills it. Like, greatness. I, I love I love that the fact that Werner Herzog's like <coughs> he he went into this and everyone's been interviewing him about it. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like I don't know what the Star Wars is. And yeah. I, I do not care. He was asked, "What's it like working with like such a legendary director as John Favreau?" And he's like, "I haven't seen any of his movies. I've never <laughs> seen like... any of his movies. <laughs> he was he was delight to work with, but I've never seen any of his movies. I've never watched any of them." And you know, he's not lying. No, he's, he's not, not making. That... No, he's, he's, he's in... one of the <laughs> he's one of the most honest fucking directors ever. Where he's just like, "I don't watch <laughs> other people's shit. I don't care." <laughs> The cosmos is crushing humanity, and uh, everything we do does not matter. And I'm not going to watch Star Wars. That's, that's kind of where he's at. Yeah, but uh, I hope his know, I, I hope his check funds like the next great yeah. Werner Herzog film, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. That's why he did this. Is yeah. he, he's? I'm sure he got fatty paycheck from Disney for this. Well, but, Adam, he's he's the kind of guy who will like if he thinks it looks like a goofy fun thing to do, he will totally just show up. Like he's in a random episode of Parks and Recreation. Oh, really? <laughs> he's like selling, he's like a weird guy selling a house in the last season, the bad season of Parks and Recreation and he shows up and he's just the guy selling a house and it's like, gee, what, that is Werner Herzog. What is he doing? In this show? <laughs> and he's amazing in it, but you know. 
Well, yeah, and he's in the the Tom Cruise adaptation of the Jack Reacher novels, the first film. He's the big villain in that one. And, I mean, that film is way better than it deserves to be, and mostly because Werner Herzog's in it as this, like, Russian criminal who survived the gulags, and he's he's lost most of his fingers to frostbite, and he's just, like, Mm. crazy and mad. Didn't Christopher McQuarrie direct that, though? I think he did. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy who did. He wrote uh, the Usual Suspects and like directed the Way of the Gun and some other stuff. So, yeah. The only other thing I'll mention is I watched uh, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. <laughs> Not terrible. <laughs> Which is, I think, is high praise for any sort of Rob Zombie film. Is not terrible. It's it's kind of just like a throwback to his Devil's Rejects, except <laughs> Rob Zombie has learned new camera tricks. So no, yeah. well. The movie looks better, probably looks better than it deserves to be, considering it's like a crowdfunded film. People, I keep... feel like that's always been his strong suit, though, is the visual stuff. Yeah. It's writing that is just horrendous. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's kind of worse than like the, the first half of the film is actually like a really good 1970s style, like home invasion film. And then it did. Then it turns into like a spaghetti western at the end or whatever. But it's it's just like eh, your ideas, and somehow people are still fan funding your films. So more power to you, I guess. Yeah. But uh, and, and it wasn't terrible. It, it's definitely better than his last couple of films. So well, did you guys like Lord of the Salem? I actually thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. I mean, you yeah. know, you he, use reaching towards uh, Italian kind of weird supernatural horror. A little bit yeah, in that one. Panic, panic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was into that one, honestly. I mean, I it wasn't like anything that I would recommend, but um, <laughs> I saw it in the theater at a matinee. Yeah, and I walked out going, hey, it wasn't too bad. That was a good way to spend an hour and a half. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, he's good at visuals, but that's about it, man. And he keeps being, I don't know, using the stable. Like, I like especially that he gives Ken Foray work from yeah. Dawn of the Dead. And he uses like other people that nobody's using, kind of like Quentin Tarantino. He's just got this stable of cool actors that are kind of washed out and brings them back in. So I give him credit for that, but he's not yeah. a great film. Um, no, he's really not. I, I don't know, Daniel, have you ever seen a Rob Zombie film? I saw like House of a Thousand Corpses like mm-hmm. back in the day. And I think I saw parts of what was the second one? Devil's Rejects? Yeah. Like tells I at the time I had like pay cable through my like apartment complex and so like they would just be on sometimes. So I know I know I saw like the first one and like parts of the second one and it was just like okay, yeah, it's you know, it looks like a music video. <laughs> you know, yeah. looks, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of as far as I got on that. Isn't Ted Levine in that? Am I remembering uh, the right mm, movie? Never mind, it's fine. I we don't think he, I don't think okay. Ted Levine's in any of his films, but okay, uh, yeah. Didn't he uh, work on the set for Pee Wee's Playhouse doing art direction stuff? I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, I seem to recall reading a trivia thing where Rob Zombie was involved in that. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, <laughs> I love the number of brilliant people who went through that show. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, brilliant people and Rob Zombie. They all went to yeah, that show. Think totally. <laughs> All right. So we are, we are, we, we need to move into our movie at some point or else we're going to get really angry YouTube comments. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's the way, that's the only way we get really shitty YouTube comments is if we take too long to get to the movie. So, Hey, you, all you assholes listening on YouTube, I'm going to put a timestamp on here. I've been doing that for <laughs> the latest episode. So fuck wow, you. That's very <clears throat> awful. 
yeah. I mean, uh, well, I've gotten enough complaints where I have to do it. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to play some uh, podcast promos. Um, by the way, Matt, you never sent me the promo for your podcast. You should I know, do that. I, suck. I, have one. I have one ready, too. I just haven't done it. I'll, I'll send it to you. Awesome. So we're going to play some podcast promos, a little bit of music, and we're going to come back with Beyond the Door 3, a.k.a. A Muck Train. How about throwing a little beach party for yourself and letting these people to get to know you oh so better? Hey kids, it's me, your good friend Alistair, here to tell you about a wonderful movie podcast called Get Soft with Dr. Snuggles. What happens is, every two weeks, the love of my life, Siobhan, and I are joined by a cast of friends, family, internet weirdos, and special guests to guide you through the wild and woolly world of erotic thrillers and softcore films. Everything from alien abduction, intimate secrets, to Zarita, Passions Avenger, and all points in between. Check it out now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's that horrid man talking about? Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We love to watch the movies you hate.
Door three, aka a muck train. students studying Eastern European history are about to embark on a journey into another world. A land of superstition and living hell. Anybody speak English? A journey into fear. They escape for their lives on an old train pulled by an evil force headed towards the door of hell. And one by one are led into a string of macabre deaths. is now designed to be the chosen one. is the most frightening event of all. The passion play. The coronation as the princess of darkness. from 1989 and is directed by Jeff Quinty, probably best known for doing the slasher film Iced from 1988. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, Matt, you did send me some interesting stuff before we uh, got into recording here. He did a spoof of Alien. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. 
with a with with a, with a ship with a big nose on it, which was called yeah. like the, the nostril omo, <laughs> something along those lines. <laughs> I, that sounds that sounds like it could go a lot of different ways, and most of them sound really awful. But like, <laughs> it's actually really well done. I I, okay. I went it really through is. it really quick, but it's actually really well done. It's like, hey, Mel Brooks, Spaceballs don't got much on this shit. Like, it's no kind of that good. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, alien parody for real. I was surprised. And it's about twenty minutes long. But um, are you going to say anything else about Iced, or uh, can I say something real quick? Yeah, no, you go ahead because uh, when I was on your show, I didn't get this as one of the trivia questions, and I'm kind of sore about it. So I'm just oh, not okay. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, so um, Iced, it's a slasher in the snow where people like die with an icicle through the eye. It's pretty mm, awesome, yeah. but it's it's famous because it has um, Lisa Lowell. <laughs> Who's um, Wednesday Adams from the original Adams family? Oh, that's right, mm. yeah. yeah. And you can see her boobs in that movie. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. Put that on the list. Yeah, that's all I got for Iced, but uh, you should check it out. Iced is pretty rad if you like snow slashers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> written, written by Sheila Goldberg, who um, has a lot of really cool, like basically Italian horror credits. She, she wrote on Stage Fright, uh, she wrote on Zombie 5 Killing Birds, <laughs> at least some of the dialogue for that. Um, she yeah. was on Ruggiero Diodato's Body Count, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, it was one of my favorite movies from like either last year or the year before. I love that film. Okay. Can I say one more thing? Because we're done with mm-hmm. Jeff Quinty, right? Okay, so after he only did three movies, and he did like a TV movie with Linda Carter called yep. Lightning in a Bottle, but he started writing for cartoons, and he yeah. did like Street Sharks. You know that show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles rip off with sharks that have rollerblades. Yeah, I think they made toys with that too, didn't they? Sure. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah it's like you're gonna biker mice from Mars, samurai, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, street sharks. Um, and then he also wrote for Animaniacs. Yeah. And uh, and then Chicken and Cow was another one too. But yeah, wow. okay, go ahead. I yeah, just wanted to uh, say, good job, uh, Jeff Quinty. Sounds like a pretty cool guy. No, he had some interesting credits. Like he is career is definitely it's like it went from one thing to another like it's just like night and day like yeah <laughs> yeah so sheila goldberg also she was in um like i said Ruggiero diodato's body count she also did umberto Lindsay's ghost house which is it's it, it's it's like this film in a way because it's one of those ones where they they titled it to a series that it actually doesn't belong to it, it's actually known as evil dead three in italy which is <laughs> whoa yeah so you know there's there's definitely a connection here there's there's some uh a little bit of uh synchronicity in this i guess um uh so this is starring uh mary uh conhurt as beverly putnik bo svenson well-known actor bo svenson as mm-hmm. Professor Andro Molek, Victoria Zinni as Beverly's mother. Mother? Did I say mother? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mother. Savina Gersak as Sava. Sarah Conway Samara as Christy. William Geiger as Kevin. Alex Vitali as Angel. Ron Williams as Larry. Uh, Renee Rancourt as Melanie. Jeremy Sanchez as Richard. And Igor Pervik as Maris. And I do have a synopsis here from someone called uh, Blythe379 on uh, IMDb. A shy co-ed and her classmates travel to Europe to see a ritual. With a satanic professor with them, he lures them into deadly traps to become sacrifices to Satan. 
One co-ed is a virgin, the main key to bring Satan back to life. But can the co-ed lose her virginity before Satan controls the world? That's a terrible synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> the film entitled Amok Train, let's ignore the train. Yeah. Let's just keep the train out of the synopsis. Yeah. Um, I feel like it goes without saying. Yeah, there's a train in it as well, but uh, you know, we'll we'll just leave that out. You know, it sounds like it could be a uh, it could be a 1980s sex comedy where it's like you know it's got like horror trappings to it. Like it could be like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, but it's about like the Virgin getting laid. You know, it's like yeah, it, no, it's, it's it could be one of those one of those like Skinamax flicks from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, good. We'll go over to uh, Matt first for sort of general thoughts on this one. One thing was uh, the special effects in this, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty solid. I was looking through, it was Angelo Matthijs, the guy that did the special effects for this. Mm -hmm. And he did uh, the Lumberto Bava movie, um, Macabre. You guys seen Macabre? Um, I have. Yeah, he did that. Um, He did Demons. Yep. And... uh, and also, he was the makeup artist for Jim Cotta. Have you guys seen Jim? <laughs> I've seen Jim Cotta. Yeah. <laughs> Make Jim Cotta. I mean, there's no like monsters in that movie. I don't. No. I don't know what. But um, yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, so yeah, just general thoughts on the movie. First thirty minutes, a little bit of a slog, but after that, holy fucking shit! Mm. This insane. This is a one of a kind movie. You got. A killer train possessed by the devil that it is not bound by tracks. It can go off road. It can do whatever it fucking wants, and it will cut off your head. I I really am all about this. this is, I've never seen anything like this, honestly. Yeah, uh, Dan, I would I would largely agree. I mean, you know, uh, it does uh, it does uh, kind of take a while to to kind of get get moving there. But then once you once you get on the train, it, you know it's definitely one of the greatest of the like anti, <laughs> the greatest of the anti mass transit propaganda films. Ultimately, uh, you know, <laughs> it definitely makes me go. You know what we need is an interstate highway system. That was definitely on my mind. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> made in a made in a, just as as communism was falling, and you know the the uh, the the Yugoslav wars were about to start happening, and etc. So I can imagine mm-hmm. this was really all about the like you know kind of pushing propagandistically the uh, the idea of personal transit rather than mass transit on the Yugoslavian population. That's that's my that's my vision for why why this film got made. <laughs> Um, no, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a really, really, um, fun little, uh, horror flick. Um, you're right. I think the, the effects are pretty phenomenal. There's a, in particular, there's one, um, you know, a guy gets cut in half and it's, a it's, uh, pretty, you know, uh, horrific in, in every sense, basically. I mean, it's, 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 it's really well done. I do love the, uh, <laughs> the one thing is I watched this in the YouTube version which had mm-hmm. no uh, subtitles in the uh, when they're speaking yeah. Serbian sections of the film, uh, meaning that there's, I'm sure there's stuff going on in those scenes that I would like to have known what's happening. <laughs> um, but other than that, uh, this, I watched the version with the subtitles. I, I just had access to it. So I'd watched it and it's, <laughs> you're not missing that much. It's like, there's a train. That's a runaway train. It's going to hit another train. <laughs> <laughs> It's like yeah. everything. Uh, it's pretty spelled out in the movie. Yeah, um, no. I, I kind of pretty much, I pretty much just to that. I was like, okay, the, these are the you know the officials in the uh, 
you know, Department of Trains or whatever in Serbia. And yeah. some of them are Satanists. Some of them are like in on, like, it, it felt like some of them might have been in on, like, the Satanist plot. Did I? I, I didn't pick up on that. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong then. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, wrong. Wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just saying I didn't pick up on it. The Wikipedia summary agrees with you, but I have no, oh. uh, I have no idea. So okay, yeah, because uh, no, some of them looked like a little bit. <laughs> they looked they, a little bit, a little bit shifty looking Eastern European. Types, they did. You know what there's I mean. just a lot of those in this, they, but they, you know, they looked, they looked just a little bit not quite as American as I would like to see in my protagonist. <laughs> you know, if you, if you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they weren't smiling very much, and I feel like Eastern Europeans smile a lot. <laughs> I, 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 I feel yeah, certainly like in 1989. Yeah. yeah, no, that was that's, that's the one thing I know <laughs> about. Definitely a, a stereotype that hostile tried to like really destroy. You know, it's like you know much more <laughs> smiling Eastern Europeans murdering Americans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my thoughts on this. So this is a first time watch for me, and I think this is actually one of the best sort of late period Italian horror films because this is 1989. This is when Italian horror films were in the fucking toilet, where they most of them were just absolute total shit. And I think this actually tops some of Argento's stuff from this period. Like I, I think it's legit that good, and I, I actually kind of think this is a bit of an unsung Euro folk horror film because it, it's got that clash of uh, modern world and like old world European kind of thing going on. And I think it's like really just well highlighted with cinematography. Like even you, Dan, watching the the sort of shitty YouTube version of this, a lot of the stuff looks really good. Like it, it, it's, it's just so well shot. And I'm like, and wow, it's really made on a budget of like eight dollars. I mean, you know, this is this is not a, you know, everything. You know, all the money went into the train effects and the gore effects. Like that, that's where the money mm-hmm. went. Yeah, certainly definitely. not into paying professional actors. That was certainly not something that was. No, uh, uh, Buzz Fenson is the only professional actor in this cast. Right, like right, I, yeah. every, everyone else is like first time. Matt actually shared with me. Uh, some uh, uh, interviews from one of the DVD versions of this and the producer, he, he went into this basically saying, yeah, no professional actors. Uh, oh, oh, video. <laughs> we're, GS we're going, we're going for whatever. this verite style. By which yeah, you know, no, don't want to uh, actually pay people. Got it. <laughs> yeah, no, the producer of this was Ovidio G. Asinitis, or I, I'm probably butchering his name, but it's, it's, it's literally Asinitis. Uh, it is Asinitis. Okay, yeah. So, so he had a pretty lengthy interview about this. No, we we hired unprofessional actors with Bo Sevenson and and it just let it play. Like we just we just let Bo basically direct them and then like <laughs> teach them how to act as we went along. And Asinitis, he's actually known for doing this kind of film. Like he he's more prolific as a producer. He did direct a couple films. He directed uh, Tentacles, which is kind of an all-time Italian crap classic. He also had, like, directing credits uncredited, though, on Piranha 2, The Spawning, which was James Cameron's first film. <laughs> yeah. He pre- he produced The Visitor, which we uh, have already yeah. discussed. On the no, he, he, yeah, he produced a bunch of shit. Like, he produced, he's mostly known for producing rip-offs of Hollywood, big Hollywood films. Like, he, he's one of the prolific Italian guys who did the Italian rip-off film, is, is what he's mm-hmm. known for. I want to get into canon films late in his career, it looks like, because he did yeah. like, like, the American Ninja 4 and 5. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, no, he's like, no, uh, all these actors were just first time. Uh, we, we got Bo because he was a friend of mine. 
and is like, we we just let him basically wrangle these these American actors or whatever who were just shit, and <laughs> and and this was it. And I mean, honestly, the the film doesn't give the actors a lot to do, so you don't really see how bad they are. Like yeah. it, it's this this kind of have yeah. to this kind of have to react to stuff for the most part, this film's action. Like it, it, it doesn't waste a lot of time with dialogue or anything. It's like, it's just beat, beat, beat from one scene to another first 15 to 20 minutes of this is just, it just moves so quick. Like it gives you its premise. Uh, it gets all the, the kids to the Eastern European village and immediately they're like trying to kill them. Like, <laughs> and and then they jump on the train. Not build a sense of foreboding, and then suddenly, like, we got to run away. Like our friend just burned alive in this cabin, and then, uh, oh, there's a train. Let's, we'll be safe. We'll get on the train, and then um, the train is possessed. That's the, yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah. Sevenson possesses the train and kills the engineers and the conductor, and like that's when you really start to get into the fucking gore of this film, where it's just like, oh shit. <laughs> and then like yeah, the girl's in the cab and then her ghost bomb shows up and it has like a a dog as like a between her legs it looked like a little bit like a cock i was kind of in dog that, or like, dragon, weird, something like yeah, that. yeah something like that i was like yeah whatever whatever the fuck just happened in that moment i was you know it definitely kind of woke me the fuck up but you know. i like that part yeah she's got like a clay face and uh a dragon or um yeah, like a dog dildo or something like that yeah. going on down there. It's pretty rad. <laughs> Her mom like is all white and looks like fucking like uh, Tilda Swinton or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, oh fuck, fucking her mom takes her to you know takes her to the airport and sends her on her way for this this thing. Like again, this film's so quick. It's like you have the opening, you have you go to the classroom. Oh, kids you're all lucky you're going to go on this trip to Yugoslavia or whatever and learn about this ancient passion play ritual or whatever. And then it'll be great studying thing for you. And they immediately go to that. And our main character, Beverly, who is, you know, apparently like conflicted between, you know, being Yugoslavian and American and she's an outsider in her class and all this stuff. She goes on the plane and then we see her mother on the car. Apparently a cowboy is driving the car because he's got like a neckerchief thing going on <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what that was about. Like that's never explained. No, they, but they told him you're picking up an American, and he's like, "Oh, John John Wayne." That that's the, uh, John Wayne. Tell you, Pilgrim. But we'll fix your wagon. <laughs> and they do because, like, Final Destination Two, you fucking yeah. hack. There's this fucking truck with these steel girders on the back. And then it stops, it breaks instantly, and one of them like flies off the truck into the mom and knocks her fucking head off. Yeah, there's a lot of decapitated heads in this movie. I, I think there's about three or four. Yeah, and then they also use the burning effect a couple yep. times too. Two people die from fire. Yeah, I think yeah, there's about four uh, decapitated heads. I think. It's definitely affected. It's like we're gonna go back to the well on this one. Like it worked before really well. We're gonna do it again. I, I hey, I it's better than like than like uh, a slit throat effect where it's just blood. You know, I yeah. So lame when they do that and then blood comes out their mouth. It, when uh, movies are just that death over and over again, it's so like John Russo's Midnight or whatever. It's so annoying. I, I'm totally down for a severed head. That's an actual effect. 
And I, and I like that this film, it's definitely reaching for, like, I feel like it's definitely reaching for something a bit deeper, but it knows what it is at the same time. So it's like it, within the, like the first five minutes, you get a shower scene with our main character naked and you get her birthmark or whatever, which looks like it predicts shitty black metal tattoos to come kind of thing like <laughs> <laughs> on her stomach, you know? And it's like, okay, I, I get it. it. It's good. Um, it looks like Star Wars Rebels symbol to me. <laughs> I, had, I, I, had, I had flashbacks to the robot devil from Futurama. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, also, I like that uh, Beverly... She takes a taxi, and it's a it's a yellow taxi. has no has no no decals, no taxi sign on it at all. It almost feels like they were afraid they're going to get sued by the uh, yellow cab co or whatever the fuck it is. Because it's like, why is this a taxi? It's just a yellow car. Like it's it's like she got picked up by a yellow car. Okay, <laughs> you know, uh, back to the boobs real quick. So mm-hmm. it was three minutes and thirty seconds, pretty much exactly, when you get. Your first set of boobs, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, I see where this is going." That's the last set of boobs you see, yeah. In this movie, an hour and a half. I was just uh, a little bit misled by that. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't just put that in the very beginning and then never give us any more. That's uh, that's not that cool. It's it's deceptive. It definitely is, but I, I mean, at the same time, it's, uh, later on you get a potential sex scene that just ends up in a like a really great gore gag where you know that. Yeah, Everything else, um, yeah, it worked. But I'm just saying that I, I just don't like the false advertising of that. That's all. <laughs> yeah. You know, in principle, uh, I, I loved the movie, but in principle, don't do that. Don't put it in the first three minutes, 30 seconds. Put it halfway through the movie or something, you know? Although, I, I, guess there, I guess there might be like an underpinning of her being shy about her sexuality and stuff because she's a virgin. Because like her mother walks in on her and she's like, shit, mom, get the fuck out of here. And her mom's like just this nice immigrant woman who's like, oh, just checking up on you, dear, and shit. And like, we got to get ready for our trip and all that stuff and get you to the airport. And it's like, mom, get the fuck out of here. And yeah. You're and, right. And, There's no other way they could have portrayed that besides having her boobs uh, be full in frame at her face at the very beginning. That's the only uh, way. That's the only way. That's how filmmaking it? works. Yeah. <laughs> That goes and, back to Eisenstein, my friend. Like this is this is straight up. You know? <laughs> but it means the whole movie is about her virginity. Like it, it, it's all centered on the fact that she has to be a virgin for the devil. You know. Yes. Kind of. It is. And then, like you know, at the end, you get you get your uh, Deus Ex uh, Munkana or whatever the fuck he is, who is like oh, just a weird character is introduced, and he's just on the train playing a flute, and he's mute and. Every once in a while, him and Beverly exchange glances or whatever. But other than that, it's like... Yeah, the the guy's like a Jedi who's playing Atari music on a flute. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, supposed to be like a ghost of a monk or something. So basically, she fucks a ghost to lose her virginity in the end so Satan can't violate her. They just ripped it off from Ghostbusters. That was the, you know, the deleted scene from Ghostbusters. That's actually like a, a fetish. Did you know that? Yeah, I do know that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's a real thing, guys. It's a real so thing. Now, now I'm imagining um, Dan Aykroyd as the conductor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, it would be hot to Texas the Dan Aykroyd. You're right. Totally agree. Yeah. 
<laughs> so what do you guys think of Bo Svensson in this as like Professor Me Too? Like, like, like there, there's like at the beginning, he's like hugging Beverly way too close. He's just met her. And he's, he, I understand he's, you. He's not creepy. He's just Eastern European. That's just that's just the way it goes. Excuse me, you know, like <laughs> excuse me, is that your booby? <laughs> Sorry, that was that was incredibly nice. Touch your boob. No, come closer. Yeah. I love that we're doing Italian accents intentionally um, instead of even attempting the Eastern European. But you know. I, I I don't know those that Slavic dirt tongue. Like what? <laughs> I don't know the fuck that shit is. But no, I, I mean, you reminded me of uh, Pin Gillette. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I mean, not the Pin Gillette, the Me Too guy at all. No, he's a stand-up dude. But I'm just saying his whole vibe. He like had the whole magician like get up. He had the the go. Yeah. He he just had the that whole um yeah, thing going on. He had, the, he, had the, he had the goatee and the Dracula cape, and he had like fucking Bill Gates's fucking haircut, and you know, like he, he had it going on. He, he had a tuxedo type, you know, or just like an, a nice suit that could probably hide um, things that he's been palming in his pockets, you know. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, Svensson's the best actor in this, and he makes choices. Oh. Like, like he plays it straight. You, you got to give it to him. Like, he, he does the same thing that, like, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, all those guys do, where even if the material is kind of silly on its face, he plays it straight and, and brings, like, some reality to it. Yeah. Straight on through, I buy him. Bo Svensson, Satanist. Like I, I, I get it. You know, like no, I believe him. I believe he's that in real life. That's that's. All <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I don't think he was acting. I think they just brought him on as like, yeah, just just be you, just be you, Bell. He's like, all right, great, great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Bo Svensson, Satanist, brought back for Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Indeed. Yeah. But no, I as silly as some of the premise of of this is, even though like I think the film does do a lot to explain the way the film goes, the different beats of it kind of like they make sense within the context. This is a really creepy kind of euro folk horror film in a lot of ways, just with the shots in the woods with the these are just locals they hired as extras and shit as the you know the creepy villagers and shit that stuff's all really effective that works really well as far as i'm concerned it reminded me a bit of the burning in some of the um some of the gore sequences some of the you know mm-hmm. which is a slasher film as opposed to you know kind of supernatural horror but i mean there is a there's an element to to that in terms of the the some of the kills kill shots just kind of reminded me of that and partly because there was the guy who burns to death in a cabin which you know obviously but uh, <laughs> You know, um, but it did, it does have that level of intensity. And I, and I think you're right. I think there is something kind of going on here where they're trying to play off this sort of Eastern European folk mythology sort of thing. And ultimately, I mean, the film itself, I think, doesn't like I think it's reaching for it. I don't think it quite finds it. And I think that's partly just because it's such sort of this kind of low budget sort of high speed schlocky kind of version of this, but it's definitely reaching for that in some of the shots and some of the, some of those kind of atmosphere, some of the mood, but I didn't really get any, you like, I did like, it just, it kind of felt, did feel like a little bit of a reach for me to, to make me kind of take this material seriously slightly, but 
but I'm glad it's there. I'm glad they attempted it. I'm glad that like yeah. they point in that direction, you know, because otherwise it could just come across as like just complete schlock, um, which it doesn't. Um, so it, it's got a, it's got an interesting tone, I think. Does anyone else have any sort of like? Uh... I have no other comment on this film. Like <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was it was a nice watch. Um, I may I may go back and rewatch it at some point. But like I that was the thing. I was like I'm glad we've got a guest because I have nothing really to say about this. Except, <laughs> this is pretty good. It's pretty effective. You should check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, and uh, some of the gore scenes are you know, will stick with me for a while. But other than that, I have no I have no uh, particular comment. Yeah, I mean I, I give this a super duper high recommendation. But I mean Lee, it sounds like you think that this had momentum from the get-go mm-hmm. and I, I definitely did not feel like that i was kind of like it felt a little bit slow and then boy does it pay off though man and it's not like halfway through the movie it's about like 30 minutes in or 45 minutes in or, I, I guess that is halfway but it's like it's about 30 minutes in that you're just like holy shit once the train it, it is a slasher with a train like what the fuck yeah. it's so crazy it's so crazy and that this train can go anywhere it wants to go what the fuck this is like i don't know a boat that can go on land and fuck kill people you know it's, it doesn't follow any rules it doesn't no, care it's kind of it's kind of like precursor to final destination because the train yeah, is no, basically definitely. just yeah. it, it just sets up deaths for people like it okay if, if this was final destination part six on a train this is what would happen to everybody on that train, right? It just the train's constantly killing motherfuckers in different ways. But what leave the tracks is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, that's, that's the funny thing. You get these two characters who don't make it on the train. Well, one of them doesn't, and the other one's like, "Well, I'm jumping off for my girlfriend," and then he breaks his leg, and he's got yeah. the splint. He's got the split. He seems like he's all right. Until he gets the splint, and then all of a sudden you see his, oh shit, his leg's really fucked up. <laughs> Compound fracture. His bone is sticking out of his leg once you actually, he pulls up his pant leg. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, how, how did you walk that far, motherfucker? Yeah, what the hell? You're not screaming in pain. There's this side plot of them trying to make it through the Serbian woods or whatever, and then they get to the swamp and they get in this boat, and then all of a sudden, oh, here's the train, motherfuckers. Snap, you're dead decapitated head flying in the fucking air and it's like okay <laughs> i don't know why they did that but apparently they had a reason you cannot They're... escape the train you cannot mm. escape Dude, the train it kills people in a swamp in a canoe like what in yeah. the hell that is like <laughs> i've never ever even dreamed of that possibility of a train doing that Just no the, this this film goes beyond what you expect like it, it definitely oh, leaves just leaves your expectations behind uh you and, yet, give and it yet that. it doesn't come across as comedy because i think as we're no. describing it i think the, uh-huh. i think our audience could definitely be oh it just kind of plays it plays it for laughs but it's not it doesn't do that at all like it not at all. somehow <laughs> totally. it works in context that the train the satanic train leaves the tracks and it goes through a swamp just to kill these two people and then returns to the tracks. It's cutting to people in the train and they're tumbling around and like, ah, so terrified. Like, what the hell is going on? The train is just shaking. They have no idea what's going on. And so I, you're kind of like feeling for them, I guess. You just... The thing is, there's not like, other than Beverly and like Sava, who who is the sort of the, like the, the gypsy thief who's dressing like Amelia Earhart. There's no really like pronounced characters outside of them as far as, far as protagonist goes. Uh, Bose Fenson, of course, is the antagonist in this, but 
And there's a witch character as well that's kind of cool. But yeah, no, it's it doesn't play anything for laughs. It, it it's it's definitely super serious in in the way it goes with everything. And man, I like it a lot. I I don't feel like it's even necessarily slow in the at the beginning. Like I I feel like it jumps right into the premise and then gets you right into the thick of things really quick for me personally. I I felt it just sort of worked that way, and. You just sort of go with the logic of it. It's it's there's stuff here that's kind of just Italian narrative silliness that maybe doesn't translate super well to Western audiences, but I think for the most part is this is fucking great. When you say that you mean like dream logic shit. Stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, is and, that and what you all, well and also, like with every sort of Italian horror film, they're making these in this, you know, in this period within like the 20 year period that they were super big. They're making them for the intent that it's going to be an American audience that's going to buy a lot of this shit, right? And the Italians don't necessarily know what American, North American audiences are like. They think they know. They, uh, they often dub and like produce movies with that intent thinking they know what they're like. And then it just comes off weird and awkward, but at the same time, it's really charming. And I think this movie kind of sidesteps a lot of that. Like, I I think it works fairly well as a delivery system for, like, kills and creepiness and shit like that. Like, I think this movie does a really good job. And this is just a pleasant surprise for me because 1989, I can see why this film is not more well known because, like, this is a period where even, like, people who are diehard Italian horror fans... They've given up on the genre to a certain extent at this point. Well, I mean, and, what about the church and the cemetery and stuff like that? That's that's good Italian. Yeah, stuff. but you know, people look at that and they go, "Oh, that's lesser Argento, and this is the this is the waning of the genre." And I'm like, I disagree, but fair enough. Yeah, no, uh, church and opera—they're great, but they're not necessarily like up there of Ten and Bray and uh, Deep Red and any anything else you can kind of think of like from like 70s to mid 80s. Sure. I, I okay. I mean, I, sure. I mean, but uh, seriously, I, I do like Cemetery Man. I like mm-hmm. Church. Um, but yeah, I, I hear you. I see what you're saying. That's, yeah, like I, I, that's kind of the Silver Age and there's the Golden Age. I, I just kind of feel like this one kind of like got forgotten. And I, I think it's kind of a shame they got forgotten because this is like really fucking good. Like, I think this is up there with opera and the church and stuff like that. Like I said, I think this is kind of better than late period Argento in certain ways because it's more mm-hmm. inventive. There's more interesting things going on. It's got a little bit of that 80s slasher stuff in it. But at the same time, it's reaching for something else. Um, like Daniel said, it probably doesn't necessarily get there a hundred percent, but at least it's trying like this film is honestly trying for something and it's not just shitty schlock that someone put together. So um, I, th- I think it works. I think it works really well. And this is going to be on my uh, uh, top films at the end oh, of nice. the year. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely just of how unique it is. It, I mean, that's all I want to see when I watch a movie personally. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that I go, what the fuck? I have never <laughs> seen anything like that. That's so different. Because I mean, I've seen so many movies at this point. It's when you surprise me, fucking thank you, God. And this is so cool, like that. And yeah, uh, and I did. I guess what I'm saying it's slow. Is there's nothing exceptional about the beginning? 
You know, it's just, it's run of the mill. You've seen that kind of shit before. It's like, oh, you know, we're going to this, this place in Serbia with these creepy cult people. And yeah, <laughs> this thing that we're saying it is, but it's actually this, you know, and the, um, but then when they get on a train, then everything's different. Like then, no, then it's not following the rules at all. So, and, and, and then, then you get to a witch doing a, like a virginity test, like, you know, basically yeah. a witch sticks her hand up Beverly's vagina, the test and see if she's a virgin or not. It's like, yeah, this not film anymore. goes places. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. No, like, <laughs> like, like, did she not just break her hymen there? Uh, it, it, it might be done already. Your your cult might be done from the first virginity test, but no, apparently it takes a monk ghost playing a flute Jedi shit to actually get the uh, the thing done. But you know, it turns out that guy was the actual Mandalorian. That's what we've. <laughs> 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 we're well, gonna find out in a few episodes he's gonna take off his helmet and it'll be that guy <laughs> you're right he's gonna pull out his flute and he's gonna be like i gotta sit on a train for the next no, 900 no. years no he put his helmet on for that that's what that's what he did <laughs> wow um yeah but uh yeah i think Wait, so this just got released on blu-ray then right it did, yeah. I'm, I was just about getting to that DVD info for this. So, uh, Shriek Show uh, and Media Blasters had a DVD from 2008. Before that, there was like a myriad of releases that were like cut. There was a lot mm-hmm. of censored versions of this beforehand. Like, there's a laser disc and stuff like that. And I think are kind of like they took all the gore out of this shit. So, you know, DVD from Shriek Show and Media Blasters. Apparently, it's the full version, but uh, Vinegar Syndrome has a DVD Blu-ray combo that just came out in October 29th of this year. Oh. And uh, apparently, like, super restored 4K prints, I, I, I guess. Um, and apparently it's the shit, so... I can't believe they didn't give us a copy, or three copies, so we could, like, hype it for them, you know? <laughs> they're, they're real... Vinegar Syndrome's really fucking dropping the ball. They've no, not... No. Yeah. They rely on us for their marketing. I don't know, you know, they fuck those guys, you know? They're fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sour hey. on these guys. Well, hey, do you guys know if Shriek Tr- Show is still around? I don't know because that was like a really they're they're kind of like Code Red, where they're kind of a almost indie distributor of of shit, right? Like they're kind of well, Code Red is literally Bill. It was, yeah, it's one dude. Shriek Show is like an offset of Media Blaster. I think there was more than one person running the entire operation i've not seen a release from them in a long while so i don't i don't yeah, know they put out so much good shit back in the day it's uh they're uh they're just before dawn is fucking amazing that release yes exactly they yeah. have so many good releases but yeah i was actually looking that up because i saw that they put this out back in the day and i was just wondering if that company is still around just because of um yeah they do like three packs and it would just be like all these movies that were so hard to find. And, you know, it would be like $12.99 for three movies that you have yeah. not been able to get unless you spent, uh, you know, $75 on a VHS. I don't know what's happening with the Shriek show, but uh, let me know if you're listening, please. Last time I checked. I'm sure they are. I'm sure. Which was, <laughs> no, last time I checked, which, you know, a while ago, their website was, our website will be back soon. <laughs> which oh, is that's a good time. Kind of, that's a, 
Yeah, that sounds like the death knell for shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of trivia here. This is, you know, the original Beyond the Door is an exorcist omen ripoff. I've seen the, sec- the second film by Mario Bava, which was known as Shock, which is a ghost haunting story. And basically the producers, um, Asanitas basically said, like, the producers is like, let's call this Beyond the Door 3, even though he wanted to call this The Train. And, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, so that's that's what you ended up with, and a muck train, of course. Also, I, I just want to mention the uh, the score for this, Carlo Maria Cordillo. He's known for doing these sort of like uh, late period Italian horror films. He did these sort of cheap, sort of Casio keyboard style uh, scores for stuff. He's best known for doing uh, Troll Two. Mm-hmm. Um, although he, oh. he 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 did a lot of these sort of Italian ripoff films, like he did like uh, Twenty Twenty Texas Gladiators which is a Road Warrior ripoff, basically. He did Ator the Fighting Eagle, which is a Conan the Barbarian ripoff. He did Absurd. He did Pieces. Uh, he did the American version of Pieces. Oh. And he also did Enigma and uh, a couple other things. Zombie 5 Killing Birds, he did that as well. He, he did a bunch of like stuff in the 80s. He's is his most prolific uh, period. But, uh, hey, Lee, so, wait, what do you mean the American version of Pieces? Just like the American release of it? Or? Yeah, uh, from, from what I understand, he contributed Pieces to like pieces to the american version of pieces apparently like some of his music is not found on like other releases of it uh, from what i can understand okay okay i see i thought you were like saying there's a remake of it and i'm like or something like that okay oh no no if there's a remake wow (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck were you thinking of you yeah all right so uh matt it was an absolute fucking pleasure to have you on the show yeah yeah, yeah, awesome to be here. Um, you are at least a half a re- Renaissance man. You, you you do podcasts. You also have a band. Uh, mm-hmm. You do some other stuff. Uh, I, I know you won The Price is Right one time in your life. I did. I <laughs> yeah. Did. Uh, so... <laughs> This this is your this is your chance. A breath of fame here, man. Look at look at that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's on YouTube too. You, you can see him win the prices right on YouTube. It's on there. I'll tell you a story right now about winning the prices right. When I was doing it, my whole goal of being there was to goof off, and I did not care about anything. But my buddy, who's like this borderline autistic dude, cool guy, but he memorized all the prices of everything. So. Um, once I was up there, I was like, I know I'm going to win. There's no way he's sitting in the front row. He's giving me all the fucking signs of like the prices. There's no way I'm not. So I was not nervous in the least. And so like, um, in between each commercial, I keep on buttoning another button on my shirt. And so by the very end, when I'm at the showcase showdown, my shirt is like wide open. Right. (laughs) And so I win and, uh, Bob Barker gives me a hug and, uh, you can see this in the actual video on YouTube and he gives me a hug. But he accidentally went inside my shirt and his hand <laughs> on my nipple. Yeah, yeah. accidentally, <laughs> accidentally, that accidentally <laughs> happened. It's, it's pretty amazing, though, because you can't you can just see my shirt get pulled to the side, like down my shoulder. And then the first time that I look uncomfortable, well, I mean, I've looked uncomfortable a couple times, but where I look very uncomfortable. And then I start buttoning up my shirt immediately, like smiling because uh I just had my nipple groped uh, by Bob Barker. Yeah, well, you know, you were not the only one, my friend. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not, maybe on the camera I am, but 
Yeah. From the stories we from the stories we hear about the uh, about the models on that show, <laughs> you know, like he was he was spaying and neutering pets, but certainly not himself. That's the, uh, <laughs> not, not at all. Not uh, at all. But yeah, Matt, uh, anything you want to pimp? Here's, the, here's uh, your chance. Well, uh, yeah, we have our podcast, Movie Melts. It's on the Compañeros Radio Network. And we cover grindhouse exploitation and basically just what the fuck movies, the ones like this, you know, that make you scratch your head and go, wow, that is something special and unique. Um, we also have a show called Songs on Trial or yeah, it's a podcast called Songs on Trial where we uh, listen to songs and judge whether they're guilty, not guilty or not guilty by reasons of insanity. And then my buddy Alistair down in Australia, him and his fiance have a show about softcore uh, called Get Soft with Dr. Snuggles. And um, that's also on our radio network, and I highly recommend that one. Lee, you've been on that one? Yep. Yeah, Great show. It, uh, it is. It's a very good show. They are a delight. Um, yeah, so that's all I got to pimp. All right, awesome. Uh, Daniel, where can people find you on the interwebs? I've never been on the prizes right, but um, I have, uh, you know, <laughs> I have I have my own like area of uh, area of uh, things to to worry about here, which is uh, I uh, I track neo Nazis and uh, alt right figures and, and terrible terrible human beings, and I do a podcast called I Don't Speak German, where I talk about the things that I've learned from listening to their podcast for three years and uh, watching their YouTube shows, and it's. Uh, it's it, it's it was called on Twitter like to me you know this is one of the darkest podcasts that exists you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know that wasn't the goal you know it was certainly but like it it really is like you know it really is like uh, people want to slit their wrists uh, listening to it but they force themselves to because they think it's important um, but yeah no it's 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 pretty good go check it out it's at I don't speak German dot uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper awesome dude and you, you are find- fucking a very very strong man that uh sounds like whew. i thought my well, songs on Tri- podcast was uh pretty brutal but that sounds a lot more brutal than that well okay. he's he's le- he's wow. legit had death threats so yeah yeah no i'm saying that sounds fucking intense that is like the real deal dark wow <laughs> we can talk about this war not being recorded any longer how does that sound <laughs> oh i'm I, uh, I'm sure we can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook links. Go to Facebook, our group there. You can, this is the best way to get in contact with us, find out what's coming up on the show, and uh, recommend films at the same time. Uh, you, you could be the next Jeff Williams if you, if you are prolific enough in recommending films. And um, yeah. But uh, until next time. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much, Dan. And thank you very much for everyone listening. And we will see you again when we see you. Goodbye. Cheers. The devil's train is long and black. It rides the rails of fear. It's heading for destruction now with a drunken engineer. Oh, Lord, please stop that devil's train before it is too late. And teach them how to bow their heads before they seal their fate. 
Oh, listen to that whistle scream Like echoes from the gloom The throttle's wide, she's spouting steam She's on her way to doom It's beautiful to see It offers you temptation But it gives you misery Oh Lord, please stop that devil's train Before it is too late And teach them how to bow their heads Before they seal their pain glory train where happiness is free it's on its way to heaven now to spend eternity oh lord please stop that devil's train before it is too late and teach them how to bow their heads before they seal their You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>